What is up, LAFB listeners? Will Decker, your host of the Bruin Bible, back in action as we're going to be breaking down the top five storylines of the offseason for the UCLA Bruins. Madman, unfortunately, out today, but a great show on the horizon for all of our listeners. We got to start off with some brand new sponsors. So cool that LA Football Network and the Bruin Bible as a whole are getting some sponsors. Make sure to check out Bet Online. Bet Online is the place to go for all your betting needs. Uh, everything you're looking for with the NFL playoffs coming up, PGA Tour golf, uh, the NBA season, which is in full swing. I'm betting on the Lakers making the playoffs. I think that's my big bet. Uh, seven or eight seed. I'm not saying they're going to win the whole thing or take, you know, maybe even to the second round. But I think with Anthony Davis potentially coming back in a month or two uh, with the likes of a LeBron James, I think big things are on the horizon there. That's my bet for Bet Online. Make sure to use code LAFB when going on there and you'll get some special hookups courtesy of us. Um, the next sponsor we have is a, a very, very cool one. Uh, it's, a, it's somebody that sent us a lot of great stuff to try out so we can speak on it on ourselves. And as somebody that's moved to, in my opinion, the holistic capital of the world in Los Angeles, trying to get healthy, trying to get outside more um, athletic greens has given us this, you know, concoction they have to help, with gut health and gut health kind of, you know, dictates everything that goes on in your day-to-day life, your energy, how you're feeling moment to moment. And it's, you know, spliced up with a lot of vitamins and minerals that are just so healthy in a lot of different ways. I tried it and I put it in my morning cup, um, you know, of water, just kind of easily stir it up. They give you all the gear when you order with them. And I just noticed, you know, from the first time I drank it, how much better I felt. I was able to do much longer stints of cardio. I was more engaged in the office. I even turned my parents on to Athletic Greens, which is, you know, I think they're a little bit more skeptical because, you know, they're getting up there in their age and they they just don't trust any of the new things going on, but they're hooked on it now. And it's it's such a great product, and we're so thrilled that they are sponsoring LA Football Network in a lot of ways. Uh, make sure to check it out uh, and to make it easy for you guys. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash LAFB. We've got the promo code hooking up. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash LAFB to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Make sure to check that out, guys. We got some awesome sponsors. But you guys are here for the top five storylines of the offseason. And that leads me to my number one. The Dante Moore hype train, I think, is at an all-time high. This guy went into the Army All-American game, put on an absolute show, slinged it around for four touchdowns. It was one of those rare moments where you see a guy do everything he wants on a football field at the same time. And we knew the five-star status. We knew what this guy could potentially bring to UCLA, but seeing it at that level where he's competing against the best of the best in the country and just shining so far 
above and beyond his competition in that. It gives me confidence that Dante Moore can win the starting job as a true freshman. And I think people laugh at this sentiment when they go, it's Dante Moore's like, how do you not give it to Dante Moore? I'm going to tell you why. This quarterback room, for all you know, respective purposes, is loaded. And you look at what UCLA has returning there. I mean, I'm a big Ethan Garbers fan. I mean, this guy is a career 65% passer off the bench. We've seen the offense flow through him. Yes, he may have an errant throw every now and then, but, you know, when push came to shove, we needed a scoring drive when DTR went out in the Sun Bowl. Who stepped up and delivered? That was Ethan Garbers who drove us down the field and made some significant plays to give us the lead, you know, with under a minute left. Yes, we did blow it. You know, that was more on the defensive side of the ball. I'm confident in Garbers. I've mentioned this before. You know, Chip Kelly's offensive system is a very complex uh, you know, thing to pick up. And I just think Garbers having been in the system for two years is something that I think is being underlooked by a lot of, you know, the casual fans, the people that don't study the program. And my thing with Garbers too is Chip Kelly even said it himself. I mean, they were talking in the press conference of the Sun Bowl, the, really the last time we've gotten a public, you know, speech of sorts or a questioning of Chip Kelly. And he goes, hey, this job's on the table. Ethan Garbers is not going to back down away from this. So when you have your head coach saying that about Ethan Garbers, I think that gives him a realistic chance. And to my point, the other guy that just transferred in that, you know, I think a lot of UCLA nation was scared of for the fact that we thought it may scare away the likes of Adante Moore just for having a division one quarterback come in and make some plays. It's Colin Schley. Colin Schley, you know, started 11 games last year for a Kent state team that was very competitive. You know, he had 13 touchdown passes to five interceptions, close to 60% passing. This guy did a lot of great things, and he's proven to run the ball effectively, too. I mean, you look at some of the rushing numbers that he was able to put up. This guy ran for, you know, close to 500 yards and four touchdowns. If he's trying to kind of replicate more of the DTR side of things, Colin Schley's a very good option, as where I think Dante Moore is more of a pro-style quarterback that does have the ability to extend plays. I think he's more, you know, downfield looking at all times as opposed to, you know, the true dual threat that DTR was and how exciting it was to watch him. But I think Dante Moore is more of the pro style. I think Colin Schley is a legit dual threat quarterback that could be, you know, in our system, very, very effective. So I wouldn't rule out Colin Schley either. And then finally, the last guy I'm going to throw into this conversation UCLA fans, who are we most excited about coming into last year with with the hopes of you know UCLA and kind of building upon that? Justin Martin. Justin Martin, six foot four, 220 pounds. He has an absolute rocket of a right arm. You look at the highlight tape, you look at the 13 touchdown game, the accolades, he played in multiple All-American games too. This guy's no slouch, and he has a year up on Dante Moore in terms of learning the playbook gaining, you know, connections with different wide receivers within the program and tight ends and just knowing the offense, this is going to be a battle. I, I think I would favor Dante Moore to win it for sure, just because of the pedigree chip and his relationship and how strong it looks to this day. But guys, it's not going to be easy. If Dante Moore wins the starting job, it just proves he may be the most decorated recruit UCLA's ever had. And I look forward to watching this play out in the offseason. So that is my number one storyline of the offseason so far. Number two, 
Laiatu Latu, will he return to UCLA? Laiatu Latu, he's he's taken kind of for me, he's he's ascended up my board of all-time favorite Bruins. And it's yes, it is what he has done on the football field. He is the first double-digit sack guy since we've had since Anthony Barr back in 2012 when Anthony Barr had 13 and a half. He had an incredible season for UCLA. Latu, 10 and a half sacks, 12 and a half tackles for a loss. It's the storyline that comes into that. And Latu, you know, five-star recruit, comes to U- University of Washington. He's from the Washington area. Um, gets a serious neck injury where it prevents him from playing. And he he sat out through the pandemic. He sat out through 2021. He really had not played football in two years. And by the time he gets to 2022, he finally gets clearance from doctors to play. And it was just, it was a great story just to have him play football again, but for him to deliver on such a, a high level of performance, you know, double digit sacks, you know, he had 11 pressures in the Sun Bowl. That was the most of any player in any bowl game, period, according to PFF and their rankings. This guy is such a talent. And he kind of basically took football off for two years, you know, rolled out, stretched, got ready, and had a double-digit sack here. What do you think this guy can do with another full offseason of preparing and playing? Like, the sky is the limit for Liatu Latu. He won the Comeback Player of the Year via the NCAA this year. He's one of three players nationally to win that. We got to be thinking about that, the Hendricks Award, which is the award for the best defensive lineman in all college football if everything goes right for a Liatu Latu. And, you know, I think – one of the, the the areas that Chip really put a lot of emphasis on was to get that defensive line um, stout and, you know, make a generate a pass rush, if you will, with four pass rushers, as opposed to sending the house like we did with Jerry Azanero. You know, Quantrez Knight, the, the running joke with that was he's a safety, but he's basically one of our best edge rushers last year because we'd set him off the edge literally every single time. We'd send six, seven, eight guys. And once, you know, offense has picked up on that, it led so many gaping holes in the secondary and just areas where the defense couldn't account for. So having Liatu Latu back is so valuable to UCLA's success in 2023. Will it happen? We hope so. We may have gotten some good news on Twitter today. I don't know if you guys have been following that. So Latu, we got our fingers crossed on him. And I posed this question to my, my coworker and, you know, fellow co-host of the Bruin Bible, Mr. Jamal Madney, who would you rather have back? You know, or what is the bigger return, if you will? Liatu Latu returning to UCLA or Zach Charbonnet? And as good as a town as Zach Charbonnet is, and he's the best running back I've seen in my time as a fan of UCLA, it's got to be Latu because the pass rushing position is the most important position on the defensive side of the ball. I'd argue it's maybe the second most important position in all of football, because the number one most important position, hands down away, is the quarterback. But if you can drastically affect what the quarterback is doing on a play-to-play basis, that is so invaluable, and it can lead to turnovers. It can lead to poor and critical mistakes, lead to you know turnover on downs, sacks, big-time plays. The defensive line is critical to a team's success. And you look at the best teams in college football, you look at the best teams in the NFL, all of them kind of have – you know, a similarity. They have great defensive lines and great defensive players that allow them to succeed at a high level. So getting Latu back, pairing him back with the Murphy twins, adding a Philip Heimlicker in the transfer portal, 
I think those are all very big things. And I'm banking big that if Latu returns, this defense has a chance to be very, very good up front. So Latu, our guy, let's give him the Hendricks Award in 2023. That's my goal for UCLA football as we head into the offseason. Here's the third third most important question, I think, the biggest storyline, if you will, going into this year's offseason is who is at running back number one? And it's tougher than people think because Carson Steele, yes, I know he was at a Mac school, Ball State. You can say what you want with that. But this guy is special. And he had he was eighth nationally in the entire country in rushing. He had close to 1,600 yards last year, 14 touchdowns, caught close to 30 balls, had the second most missed, forced missed tackles, which means this guy, you can't tackle him in a phone booth in all of college football via PFF. Carson Steele shows some burst, man, and it is so much fun to watch his tape. I was very unfamiliar with his game. You know, it's that Shaq meme where I was unfamiliar with your game. I apologize. That is basically what I was with Carson Steele coming into this offseason. And just the fact that when I turned on the tape and saw what I saw, I think this guy can be an incredible, incredible addition to UCLA. And I think he can, I don't think he will be able to get close to 1600 as he was the focal point of the offense for them. And UCLA has such a loaded, loaded backfield with the likes of, you know, Anthony Adkins, Keegan Jones, players of that nature, and a guy I'm going to get to in a second. But Carson Steele with that stat line, in a normal scenario, if you transferred anywhere, you would have to consider him being the number one option, I think, for most teams, most Division One teams, most Power Five teams, given what he was able to do at Ball State. However, the battle for RB1 is going to go through Carson Steele and TJ Harden. And TJ Harden, those last two games, you know, with, while being coached up by the best running back coach in the entire country, in my opinion, Deshaun Foster. He showed something that got me very excited. And I think this guy is the next running back from UCLA to eventually, you know, play on Sundays. And we've had such a great level of success from some of the guys we've had in the Chip Kelly area, whether it's Joshua Kelly, Chargers, Demetri Felton, Browns, you know, Zach Charbonnet, going to be in the NFL draft this year. Britton Brown got drafted by the Raiders last year. Deshaun Foster has constantly produced guys to the NFL level. He has coached above and beyond his ability, you know, some of these guys' abilities to, to generate the most out of these guys and get them to the highest level. And I think TJ Harden's the next one. I think he's got the highest ceiling in the running back room. Like I mentioned, the last two games of the year, 23 carries for 200 yards. He was averaging close to 8.5 yards a carry in two game sample size. For UCLA. So I'm very, very thrilled on what he could potentially bring to the fold for UCLA. Um, had a touchdown. He had the go-ahead touchdown in the Sun Bowl. Just a guy that I feel trustworthy with. Has such a beautiful running style where I think he can be physical and I think he can do it finesse-like. Uh, you know, I think he's like a 20 pounds less Charbonnet, if you will, just the way he runs and cuts. He has such a beautiful stride in the open field. You know, I think he's shown the ability where He's got everything you would want to potentially be, uh, you know, the number one back coming in next year. But like I said, Carson Steele and him, I think, are going to be neck and neck for that RB1 position. Who finishes with the most rushing yards? I don't know. I do know Carson Steele has the ability to be a star at the college level, but TJ Harden has the highest ceiling, as I mentioned earlier. So 
pick your poison with those backs. Just to me, it's going to be interesting to see who gets the bulk of the carries because I think these are two guys that are going to be named people that people are talking about within the college football landscape. And it's going to be really, really fun to kind of watch that play out as a whole. Um, You know, also shout out to Keegan Jones. I mean, maybe he can get a lot of reps as well. You know, we saw what Keegan Jones was able to do in the pass catching realm of things. I thought he was sensational. Uh, 21 catches, 237 yards, and three touchdowns. You got to remember, most of these catches he's getting are behind the line of scrimmage, uh, just a check down play, and he's able to generate you know, yards after the catch because he's so dynamic with his speed and his vision in the open field. So Keegan Jones, I could easily see him playing a huge role. I don't know if he would outrush the likes of a Carson Steele or a TJ Harden, but you know, just a veteran within the system. Chip clearly loves him as well. You can't totally rule him out. Anthony Adkins, I'm very excited about uh, as well. You know, I think this guy we can run in similar ways to that power back style. I'm not saying he's going to be Charbonnet, but that style of play, that physical football with Adkins, uh, where this guy's 250 pounds, you know, six foot one, six foot two with a little bit of burst. He had a five-touchdown game for Army last year. I just think it was just a welcome addition to the running back room. And, you know, when it comes to the run game, I just trust Chip Kelly. I I trust Chip Kelly and what he's able to bring to the table. And whoever gets the bulk of the carries, I I trust that that's the right thing with Chip. Whether you want to argue about the defense, I totally hear your concerns. But run game, this is this guy's bread and butter. This is what has made him, you know, a coveted coach within the college football ranks. So I got to give – uh, you know, Chip Kelly credence to whatever that decision may be. Harden or Carson Steele. That is the third storyline for me as we approach, you know, spring camp uh, and who is going to be running back number one coming in next year. Next question I got for you. Very similar dynamic of a question. It's who's the number one pass catcher for UCLA next year? And UCLA, you know, we're losing the likes of a Jake Bobo, who was very, very productive, close to 60 catches over 800 plus yards, seven touchdowns. You know, he was very, very solid. I think Bobo and maybe more of a pro style offense, he was probably, you know, a 1,200, 1,300 yard receiver. If, you know, we threw the ball a little bit more, maybe we're more like a University of Arizona chucking the ball like that, maybe more like the USC team we saw across town this year. So Jake Bobo, it's not going to be easy to replace that. Who do we have to replace it to be the number one pass catcher? Well, I think the number one guy, Coming into this next season, I think Cam Brown, he's going to, he's the guy on paper, unless if a transfer happens, uh, that I think UCLA fans got to be thinking about as maybe the number one overall receiver. Cam Brown, six foot, you know, 190 pound wideouts. He's shown flashes. He's had games where you go, oh, I see the potential. I see why this guy was in the SEC before he transferred to UCLA. He's at Texas AM. Uh, you know, 24 catches last year, 362 yards, three touchdowns and bowl games just because of the heightened pressure. I know they may not mean as much as they used to, but bowl games outside of your rivalry games to a lot of fan bases are the biggest games of the season. And Cam Brown in that first half, hundred plus yards receiving. Um, he finished the game with four catches for 115 yards. Should have been targeted a lot more as he was making plays, you know, turning up field on the yards after catch, making defenders look silly in the secondary for Pitt, which is a very well-coached defense by the likes of a Pat Narduzzi. 
Cam Brown's got to be up there, man. And Cam Brown, for me, I just – I really feel comfortable with him, you know, with the football in his hands. And I'm really excited to potentially see because I think if I'm pulling it right now, I think the top two quarterbacks on the depth chart would be Dante Moore and Ethan Garbers. So those guys are traditionally more pro-style quarterbacks. I would like to see Cam Brown with a more pro-style pass-first offense. You know, maybe not pass first as a whole with Chip's mind, but throwing the ball a little bit more as, you know, Dorian for his genius was the improvisation, you know, running, you know, when things didn't go well in the passing plays. I think more coming out of high school, he definitely is a little bit more polished throwing the football. So I'm excited to see what goes on with that uh, in that regard. So I think Cam Brown, I think we got to put him at our as our number one guy coming in for next year. A guy that I'm really pumped on to is um, Logan Loya. Logan Loya is a former four-star receiver, a guy that I feel comfortable with. He made arguably the biggest play of the season, the 70-plus-yard touchdown in the Utah game to effectively seal the win of the Pac-12 against the Pac-12 champion at the Rose Bowl. It was a beautiful sight. I was sitting, you know, under the sun at the Rose Bowl watching that play out, and it was maybe the loudest the Rose Bowl got all season for UCLA last year, just proving that we could be a top-notch team. Logan Loya, he's never really had the chance to put it together. 18 catches, 284 yards, three touchdowns, but he's just not – he's never gotten a lot of targets. I'd like to see what Loya can do with maybe 60 to 70 targets to his name. So there's a lot of talent there. Both, you know, Cam Brown, highly recruited three-star. Logan Loya, highly recruited four-star. Uh, that has made plays for UCLA. So Logan Loy is a name to watch. I also think TMA, Titus, Mokiawa, Atimalala is a name to check out. And he's coming out party. You know, he's quiet for a lot of the season, but the Sun Bowl, he made some very, very big plays. He made the catch of the day where he was, you know, just draped over by a secondary defender, was able to reel it in, get UCLA in the red zone. And then he caught a touchdown in the open field. I think it was a 20-plus yard touchdown catch uh, against the likes of Pitt. TMA, he was a four-star guy too. So you have talent in this wide receiving room. The cupboard is not bare. And like I said, we may be getting some transfers in. So this is before the likes of maybe a J. Michael Sturdivant decides. This is before the likes of a Gary Bryant Jr. deciding to maybe come to UCLA. So as it sits today, I think the number one wide receiver would be Cam Brown. And, you know, maybe number one pass catcher as a whole – within the system. And I know he's a tight end, but we have to bring him up, you know, a couple tight ends. Hudson Habermill showed some very, very big flashes where it got me excited. Habermill had the huge game, um, you know, against, he had a big touchdown catch against Stanford, 60 plus yards, six foot six, 255. This guy is built like a Greek God, really possesses that Rob Gronkowski body of just a big, big physical tight end. I would not be shocked if Hudson Habermill led the receiving room and catches yards and touchdowns next year. As for younger quarterbacks, you know, even with how good Dante Moore is coming out of high school, the tight end usually looks as a security blanket to these guys as they could throw them in fades. And, you know, what makes a tight end so dynamic in a lot of these offenses is they're oftentimes guarded by linebackers who, you know, their specialties aren't in pass coverage. So, these guys get open a lot easier. They're bigger targets. You got a bigger frame of reference to throw the football to. Hudson Hamermill, he might be our number one receiving threat out of the tight end room. And don't forget, uh, 
Matavo, the, the tight end transfer from Oregon, Maliki Matavo, this guy is a special, special four-star talent as well, who was, you know, he's caught touchdowns in the shoe against Ohio State. He's was coveted at Oregon. He made some serious plays there. He's transferring down to UCLA. I wouldn't rule out him maybe being tight end number one. That's going to be a fun battle to watch. So when it comes to the receiving room, I think I've got these guys in order on who should be wide receiver number one or pass catcher number one. Cam Brown, I'm going to go Hudson Habermill number two. And then at number three, I'm going Logan Loya. I want to see the Logan Loya breakout season. Hopefully it occurs. So we've got four major storylines in already. We've got can Dante Moore win the starting job? Will Iatulatu return for next year? Who is RB number one next year between Carson Steele and TJ Harden? And then the last one, who is the number one pass catcher for UCLA next year? And the last major storyline I want to bring up is can the UCLA defense improve, which may be likely the last year for Bill McGovern. So Bill McGovern's got one more year left on his contract. It could be the end of this. I'm sure they're going to want to make a splash in terms of hiring a defensive coordinator when it comes, you know, to leaving the Pac-12 and entering Big 12, Big 10 play, which has a lot more talent, you know, in, in terms of across the board. This defense, you know, it's the fault of UCLA and it has prevented them from reaching the heights I think a lot of fans have wanted to see. And, you know, we were 117th last year in past defense in terms of yards allowed per game. We were 116th in first downs allowed. We allowed, you know, 40% of our third downs to be converted. These are all numbers that are very scary to watch. And we did improve in some areas. You know, I mentioned the pass rush was probably as good as it ever was last year with the Latu, Murphy Twins, Gary Smith, guys like that. But we got to clean up the, the, the poor tackling, you know, in the linebacking room in the secondary. Uh, Muwasau did some good things this year. He might be gone. Uh, John John Vons is going to have to step in. And, you know, Oladijo, the linebacker we got from Cal, very excited about him. Jordan Anderson. Really excited about what he can potentially do in the secondary as a former starter at Bowling Green, a team we played in the opening week. But this defense has got to find a way to improve. And I think that is my biggest storyline um, or one of my biggest storylines outside of the, the top four that we've already listed is just how this defense comes out and plays because this offense is special, man. And just the way Chip Kelly's mind works, how he's able to dial up the run game, dial up play action situations, it's almost like if the defense just plays competently, you know, and we're, we'll have some mental errors. We'll make some mistakes at times, but if they could play well for, you know, 60, 70% of these games, UCLA is a nine to 10 win team every single year. It just with the offense and how it works. So if this defense can just figure it out in terms of just being a top 70 defense, not a huge ask, honestly, not a huge ask given the talent we have in that room, Secondary, you know, Jalen Davies, high four-star. Devin Kirkwood, high four-star. Kamari Ramsey, high four-star. Jordan Anderson, you know, a talented D1 starter. Then, you know, if we can just deliver on the secondary, the linebacking unit, and just keep this D-line, you know, maybe what it was, maybe even to improve a little bit. I think it'll improve a little bit next year. This team is off for great things, and I'm really excited to see where it goes. And um, that concludes the top five storylines for UCLA, as we head into the offseason, folks, make sure you are liking and subscribing uh, the LA Football Network uh, YouTube page, the UCLA LA Football Network page. We got great things coming to you guys all throughout the offseason. 
Madman will be joining me back next week as we pick it up. You guys have an awesome Martin Luther King uh, Jr. Day weekend, and we look forward to speaking with you guys soon. Bruin Bible, we are officially out.